0: that's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. chumbacasinocom No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See
1: website for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Buckeye Weekly Podcast. I am Tony Gerderman, here, as always, with Tom or Tom.
0: How's it going? Eh. But that's enough about me. Tony, how are you?
1: I'm doing good. I sorry, I had to throw in an extra long power pause, Tom, because I was on the uh the Kevin Noon's live stream of the um Malik Hartford commitment and somebody said that the the power pause on the last episode was very weak and it wasn't even there and so I I uh, figured I had to reassert my hosting dominance and uh pause for great effect, and so now i have i have won the podcast i'm, I'm glad I,
2: I like the fact that the uh, listeners are commenting on other people's podcasts or other people's live streams about our podcast like you can't you can't just contain it to our comments no it just keeps it keeps spreading it's um uh, yeah no i mean by all means like don't do that to mark don't do that to bill we really like and respect them kevin stuff yeah i mean like fire away like she, ask for pizza recipes in there, whatever, man, whatever you want to do, man, go, go get it.
1: Also, Cleveland.com guys go after oh. those people, you know, <laughs> take them down take Doug and Steven and Nathan down, take them down. Let them know. Yeah. Just take Doug down.
2: <laughs> I have nothing to say. That's not going to get me in trouble. So we're just going to move on.
1: <laughs> oh, Tom, you know that you had that written in the show. Uh, so as I mentioned, the Buckeyes got a commitment from four-star safety, Malik Hartford uh, out of uh, Lakota West, and um, a really intriguing prospect. I know Bill and Mark dropped a, a gives in the bank uh, about the-, the commitment, what they like about him, so you can check that out, and they'll give you their, their-, their scouting breakdown, but I think for me and you, normal people. You look at a guy, and he's like 6'3", 175, 180 pounds, playing free safety. And there's, there's plenty to like there. You watch his highlights, and yeah, he looks like he's a legit six two and a half at least. And can cover a lot of ground, uh, is under control, but can be physical and can attack the line of scrimmage when need be. And I think the most amazing thing, Tom, is he had six blocked kicks last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was placements. That was punts. And he really, really embraces the special teams aspect of things and how that can uh, derail an opponent. The the, the whole eighty percent, ninety percent of the time, you block a punt, you win or whatever. Like he embraces that, and this is uh, almost a prototype safety in today's game, but a throwback in terms of his love of special teams.
2: Well, you know, the love of special teams is one of those things that really sort of stands out to me. There's a couple things about him, like you know sort of like soft factor off the field kind of stuff about him that that jumps out uh he talked about on the uh, announcement today that his GPA was a 4.2 which uh you know considering that in many places the best you can get is a 4.0 it's like hmm, that sounds good is that is that possible is that is that like giving 110% like how did you how did you do that exactly uh and the answer was he was taking classes at a higher grade level and you get extra some extra GPA points for that but between that and special teams like you got to think about it if you are a D one athlete, not just a D one athlete, but a, a high level Power Five, Ohio State, Alabama offer kind of player, and you're you know you're not big timing anyone, you're you're willing to do the dirty work on special teams, which generally will get you know that generally that gets farmed out to the younger you know the younger guys on the team, like you know, the freshmen, the sophomores, like they're the ones who will be doing that. If you're you know a junior having offers from places like Alabama and Ohio State. And you're still willing to do that, you know, put in that work on special teams, which is not generally, you know, if you're blocking kicks, it can be a glory thing, but generally like being a punt gunner or uh, something like that is not really a particularly glamorous spot. And Ohio State kind of tries to dress it up a little bit. But if you're willing to do that at the high school level, I think that tells me a lot about, you know, your makeup and what kind of a teammate you are, and then you add that to. All the film stuff you talked about and everything that Bill and Mark talked about on the uh, Gives in the Bank episode that dropped on uh, Wednesday afternoon. It's like, oh man, there's I, I think there's a lot to like there with Molly Cartford.
1: Yeah, and he's an Ohio kid, but had recent offer from Alabama. Notre Dame was involved. Uh, you know so legitimate schools, well, legitimate football programs, we all know. <laughs> neither one of those are legitimate schools. Uh, so he's the number eleven safety in the composite the number four player in Ohio, number one forty seven overall. In 24-7's own rankings, he's a number five safety in the class, number two player in Ohio behind Luke Montgomery, and a number 90 player overall. The special teams aspect I think is interesting because he can make an impact there right away. We've seen that. with saw Chris Olave in 2018 at Michigan. But um, it, it is, he embraces it. It's embraced at Ohio State. Jim Knowles said something about it earlier this week, I think, or last week. Maybe where um, he said, you know, Parker Fleming, Ohio State special teams coordinator, does a really good job of showing the players how past Ohio State greats and have excelled on special teams. And I remember looking at, um, there's clips of Terry McLaurin at the Senior Bowl. And this was, he wasn't a third round draft pick yet. You know, this, he was going to the Senior Bowl to try to move up the boards. And there's a clip of him, like he's, he's it's punt, it's a punt coverage drill. And he's got two guys in front of him. And once the ball is snapped, neither one of them touched him. Like he just went around them. And you contrast that with other clips of uh, other guys at the senior ball. And they're just getting pushed around and pushed out of bounds on that same drill. And that's part of that um, embracing it. Urban Meyer talked for years about this. He had like a ranking of his best favorite gunners of all time and his best gunners. And, you know, Devin Smith is one of those guys. And They got handed down. Like, who's the gunner this year? Who's the gunner this year? And uh, like Malik Hartford, he's got a clip of, there's one time he's the long snapper on a punt and he's down making the tackle, you know, on, on a decent return, man, breaking him down. And uh, so that'll be, uh, I think that's where you'll see him initially. And they've got a lot of young safeties already. On the roster that have to figure out where they are, guys like Jansen Don, Andre Tarantine, and of course the guys that they got this year. So, this is the second safety in the class. Ohio State now has six commits. So, i the number two class in the Big Ten. Behind?
0: Indiana, Rutgers. Close. Rutgeando.
1: Penn State. Mm-hmm. The, if you were to combine Indiana <laughs> and Rutgers, in a lot of ways, you get Penn State, and in a lot of ways, if you think about it, it's the uh, the farmland of Indiana with the rudeness and utter despicability of New Jersey. That's pretty much what Pennsylvania is, and actually, that's a lot of you know the whole Philadelphia area as well as you know Tom. But so now they've got uh, two safeties, Malik Hartford joining joining Cedric Hawkins and Tom. For as much as Jim uh, Knowles has talked about this being a safety driven defense, it's a pretty good start in the 2023 class at that position.
2: It's definitely a good start. And you kind of wonder, is the strong start at the safety position being driven by the fact that this is a safety-driven defense? And maybe that's a little bit more of a glamour position. And that's, you know, the fact that that's more of an emphasis for them. Is it more of an emphasis for them in recruiting? Or is it just an easier sell for them uh, for other guys? The question then is, Okay, you need corners, too. So they're going to have to they're going to have to fill that defensive back class out with uh, a couple corners. And, you know, they're they're in on plenty of uh, plenty of, you know, highly ranked guys. I had Bill Green on the morning scoop on Wednesday talking about Cormani McLean, who was supposed to be visiting last week, had some plane issues and uh, had to cancel his trip. He's now looking like he's going to be back up for the spring game weekend. He is a five star top five player, like regardless of position in the class of 2023. That would be a good one for Ohio State to uh, to land, uh, you know, a, a good recruitment for Ohio State to, uh, to bring home. AJ Harris is another guy to kind of keep an eye on there. He was someone who five-star out of Columbus, Georgia, uh, but, you know, or, or right across the border in Alabama, I think. But, um, you know, he's another guy who he had a great relationship with Kerry Combs, and if Kerry Combs was here, I think our recruiting guys kind of feel like he probably would already be in the class if Kerry Combs was still here. Kerry Combs is not still here. So, now that's a little bit more, you know, there's, there's still some more work to do, but he was, you know, he was up, we saw him at camp last summer up in, uh, uh, at the Woody, you know, get, will he come back this year? You know, is he going to pay a visit this year? There was, there was a lot about Ohio state. He liked it. wasn't just, uh, Kerry Combs, but you know, if they can, if they can land one of those guys, it's like, oh, wow, that's a pretty good defensive back class. If they could somehow bring in both of those guys, that's like, oh boy, now you're talking about an all timer. Cause. A pair of five star corners. I think the last time Ohio State did that was Jeff Okuda and Sean Wade, and Mm. that worked out pretty well.
1: Yeah, and those two guys—the number one and number two safe or cornerbacks in the in the composite—with Cormani McLean being number one, AJ Harris being number two. So Tim Walton and Perry Aliano have some catching up to do, but they have time. Mm -hmm. Uh, What What did Bill say about his? Did he give you his thoughts on the chances with with both of those guys? Either of those guys.
2: Well, we didn't talk about AJ Harris because we we're mostly talking about the South Florida Express guys, which Cormonty McLean plays for that seven on seven team. I mean, I think Bill still thinks they're, they're, you know, very much in the running. It's not, I don't, I don't think he has him like in, in the class, but I think he feels like Ohio State's got, you know, b- better than a puncher's chance there to, to bring that one home. And it's just kind of get him up on campus. And as you have heard all of our recruiting guys say at some point or another, when you know, Ohio State knocks those visits out of the park. So you get him back on campus again. He's probably going to be back for an official at some point, uh, later on in the, in the cycle, you, you, you know, it, Ohio state has a lot to sell. Ohio state has a lot of, uh, you know, Ohio state can sell the development piece. Ohio state can sell the, uh, success on the field piece. Ohio state can sell the NIL piece. Ohio state can sell the academic piece. Like they, you know, they, no matter what you're in, you know, what, no matter what your interest is, uh, you've got, uh, you've got something, uh, you know, that, that Ohio state can offer you. That's, uh. Pretty significant, you know. You go back to like those NCAA video games, and it was like, you know, what are you going to pitch the kid on academics or location or whatever? And you know, it, Ohio State kind of ticks all those boxes. So, yeah, there's you know, they, still work to do there, but uh, you know, I think Ohio State is definitely in the running. And again, you don't necessarily need to get both of them if you do great, but just you know, one one of those guys, they, they're you know, the 2020 corners we talked about those on the last show. The two guys, those are both they're both gone now. So you gotta kind of keep restocking that covered because uh, this will be Cam Brown's last season. Denzel Burke, you kind of figure next year is probably his last year, and then J.K. Johnson and Jordan Hancock. All of a sudden, that could theoretically be their last year next year. So you gotta keep restocking that covered. But I think you know, there's. It sounds like they're in at least decent shape with uh, both of those guys.
1: I think what Buckeye fans should be concerned with, Tom. You talk about the the old game where you. Make your pitches and what do the players want? You know, you can tell me all about the NIL stuff, Tom, and Ohio State can show them stuff. But what Ohio State doesn't have, they don't have oil money, Tom. They don't have Texas oil money. Finley oil money is good. Yes. Finley also has sugar money. And that's something they don't talk a lot about in Texas. There's sugar money up there. You got the oil money. You put them together, Tom, oil and sugar. They go together. You can't bake a, a cake without it. Try it. Try it.
2: <laughs> that that's true. That that is that yeah. That is that is very true. I hadn't considered that. I was thinking more sugar in the gas tank kind of thing. And uh, that that's how the uh, Tennessee NIL thing is going so far. I think. Uh, yeah. It's it's uh, yeah. It, we'll see how. Uh, I don't even know how to transition out of this. So here's how you bake a cake. You get your eggs. You got your oil. You got your flour. You got your sugar. Yeah.
1: Every class, Tom, is a cake. Ohio State is baking their 2023 cake right now, and uh, if if they don't land either or both of McLean and Harris, and being the top two guys, you can't expect them to land them both. They're gonna have to figure out what they're gonna do behind them because it's not really littered with guys who have interest in Ohio State. If you go like down the list of the top 20 corners, um, there are a couple obviously, and they'll always be able to get in on guys. You just go back and look at the quarterback recruiting. Since Brian Day has arrived, like we're, we, were, we weren't talking about Devin Brown this time last year. You know, we weren't talking about CJ Stroud, his class at this point And whenever, like CJ Stroud didn't really start becoming a thing until the summer when the, the Buckeyes were out at the Elite 11, uh, the future, the Ohio State commits. Certainly weren't talking about Justin Fields at this point when, you know, he was a, a Georgia Bulldog. So guys will appear and, and they'll go from there. The Buckeyes that spoke with the the media on Wednesday, quarterbacks and linebackers, C.J. Stroud is obviously, admittedly, very, very good. He is, and this concerns, well, it doesn't concern me, Tom. He's a football nerd. He loves football. He loves playing football. He loves talking about football. He loves studying football. He uh talked about how when he was a freshman, him and his offensive linemen would just sit in their room and like watch film. Like they weren't playing or anything, none of them were playing, but they would watch film and talk about it. CJ Stroud likes to talk to the coaches about football and you know whoever else will listen. He, he has the physical tools, the arm, whatever. It's the love of football and the love of everything else about it that really takes him to the next level in my opinion and along with the vision and the football st- stuff the tangibles but the intangibles of i would i would re- like to go study some more i would like to go watch some more film if you don't mind can we please finish up this interview
2: yeah and and this is the difference between the quarterbacks who make it and the quarterbacks who are todd marinovich or the quarterbacks who are you know uh Johnny Manziel, once he got to the NFL, like, you know, you you can have the talent, you can have the arm, you can have the agility, all that kind of stuff. If you're not willing to put in the work at like at some point, you know, this is this is the old Ryan day when the talent is equated, like at some point, like CJ Stroud could completely mail it in and still light up, you know, Arkansas State this year. But you're going to play teams, you're going to play teams, you know, ultimately who you can't just mail it in. you actually got to, you know, you have to be really applying yourself and you can't just start applying yourself on that Tuesday that week. Like, Oh now I'm going to try. Like this is, this is the old, uh, you can't win the national championship in the summer, but you can lose it. If you're putting in the work right now, you're doing, you're, you're doing what you need to do. You're not going to lose it. You're going to put yourself in a, in a position for success, but you know, it makes sense. Like, I think this is, this is just kind of how he's wired, but even if it wasn't how he was wired, you look at everything that's on the table for him this year and you would, yeah, I would expect him to be <laughs> extremely plugged in right now. I mean, you have the opportunity to beat Michigan. You have the opportunity to win the Big Ten. You have the opportunity to win the Heisman. You have the opportunity to go to the college football playoff. You have the opportunity to win the national championship. You have the opportunity to be a first round, potentially a very high first round draft pick, uh, you know, this time next year. That's the next 12 months. Like, If you can't stay focused over the next 12 months with all of that on the table, you know, that. That's probably a a pretty serious makeup concern. And that's one of those things that they're they're kind of scouting for. They're not just looking for arm talent. They want to know about these guys. They want to know about their families. They want to know about their makeup. They want to know about their practice habits. All that stuff. They figure that stuff out long before those guys show up. So you don't get any unpleasant surprises. Uh, I did enjoy one of my favorite moments from uh, interviews on Wednesday was uh, CJ Stroud talking about he was asked about how he stays humble through all of this. You know, he said he's reached all of these. All of these lofty goals already, and and but Ryan Day talks about how he stayed so humble. How have you stayed humble? And he t- you know talked about a bunch of different stuff, but then he said, "I'm the youngest of five siblings, and uh, you know my siblings are basically you know if you have siblings, you know your siblings will keep you in line. Your siblings are you know you can you can be as great as you want, you know as great as you want to be. Once you go home and you're back you know back home and uh, you, you you're surrounded by your siblings, like the the, tr- the trash talk does not stop." Everyone will let you know. Don't worry. You still stink. You're still awful. Uh, he said his sister calls him a big moose, which I really liked. Uh, I'm not sure if that's going to stick as a nickname, but uh, I, I, did mm-hmm. like a, I did like that. As I did like that uh, as you know, as a potentially a uh, on second you know AP style on second reference, you may refer to CJ Stroud-, Stroud as a big moose. Uh, I like I like that one a lot. But yeah, it's you know that. But that's you know that's what they're looking for. They're Looking for families that are you know, supportive and families who are, um, you know, guys from like good, solid family backgrounds. Like that's something that they sort of look for during that recruiting process, just like they look for the makeup, you know, the makeup in terms of practice habits and that kind of stuff. And so it is, it is not an accident that Ryan day keeps getting uh, quarterbacks who are willing to uh, put in, put in the work behind the scenes.
1: I would like when CJ Stroud comes out for the post game interviews after the spring game, Maybe if a bunch of people just went like big moose, <laughs> like now anytime he enters the room, just just give him that. Or if the entire crowd were to do that during the spring game,
2: people are like why? Why are they booing ACJ Stroud?
1: I don't understand. <laughs> As the third child of three, um, I understand the the humility that gets placed upon you. Unfortunately, being the third, I was still the baby, and if there's only only kids the parents still care about the baby like after about four or five at that point you got to figure like the baby is on his own there's really nothing special about being the baby anymore that just means you're the weakest and so you really have to toughen up and he's done that and um has become a pretty special leader as well there's a a clip from saturday where i i don't know i was talking about this on the radio show on on wednesday but like kyle mccord throws a nice touchdown pass, and everybody runs down the field except for Kyle McCord because he's getting ready for the next play or whatever, and C.J. Stroud comes over and congratulates him, tells him what, you know, encourages him, tells him what a great throw it was, and you see that leadership um, from C.J. Stroud, and, and that's really, like, he doesn't need a whole bunch of snaps this spring even though he's only got 13 career, 12 career starts. Like, having everybody see him and experience him as that leader is only going to make things better. Uh, he did say that he feels the game better. He's always had like a good football mind, but his vision and his processing has improved. I thought it was interesting. He talked about, he keeps getting asked about his throw, the last throw and uh, the last touchdown pass in the Rose Bowl to Jackson Smith and Jake and How They'd had that play. They practiced it like the first day of camp or whatever, just never able to call it. Uh, to give you an idea of the processing and uh, how the game has slowed down for him, he said that because if you watch it, you see him. He's looking over at Jackson Smith and Jigba, then he looks back over to the other side, and then goes back and throws it to Jackson Smith and Jigba. And when he was talking about the, the throw and he broke it down, he's like, you know, I looked over at Jackson, then I kind of forgot about him, <laughs> and then he went back over there,
2: just like me on the last show.
1: <laughs> so yes, but that tells you how how slow things move for him mentally when. You can look at one guy, go look at the other, and then be like, oh, yeah, let me go back over here. Whereas any normal quarterback, you know, you really, any, any normal human, you're looking and like, I don't see anything, and now I'm dead. And he's just, <laughs> everything is like, I don't want to say Neo-like from the Matrix, but I think he might <laughs> be Neo from the Matrix.
2: Yeah, he. it was funny listening to him talk about that. Compared to Devin Brown, who's you know the true freshman coming in and talking about like, wow, these guys are coming at me really fast and like they are real big and it's like, oh man, oh man. He said, I mean, like I think he said the first snap this spring, it was just kind of like, snap, and they're here. Like, oh boy, how did that happen? I thought I had an offensive line. I did. Well, they gave me th- they gave me time, but all of a sudden, how they're how, how is the defensive here already? Thank goodness I'm wearing a black jersey. That was sort of the subtext. He didn't actually say that out loud, but uh, yeah, it was. It, it, you kind of hear that from guys over the years where. It starts out like just unmanageably fast and you can't fathom how you could possibly ever complete a pass. And then, you know, usually the second year is when guys really have that game sort of slow down. You hear guys talk about the game slowing down for them where all of a sudden, OK, now you can see you can see things a little better. You see the windows a little better. you You, you know, you're keeping your eyes downfield, all that kind of stuff. It just, it's sort of a process. It's not like an overnight, the switch flips and ta-da, now, now I'm, now I'm super, it takes a while. It just takes reps, takes time in the film room. It takes time on the practice field. It, you know, it requires, it requires the discipline of, you know, really being attentive during practice and taking advantage of those mental reps because you're not in there all the time. You're, if you're one of three quarterbacks and you're, you know, if you're the number three guy, you're probably not even getting a third of the snaps. Maybe maybe in the spring you are, but in the fall, like they got to get number one and number two ready. So you can't you can't uh, you know, you, you have to make use of the time that you have, even when you're not the guy with the, the football on your hands. It sounds like CJ Stroud, to, you know, to your point earlier about his, you know, his makeup and, and all that, like he has done all of those things. He's been as ready as he can be. And he's also it probably doesn't hurt that he's basically been the number two guy since he stepped on campus. So he's getting more reps than three and four on on the depth chart Are so. But one other thing that he said that I thought was really interesting, he was talking about going up against Jim Knowles' defense in practice. And uh, the exact quote was, uh, they have different ways to get into different, get to different coverages, which is really good for my eyes to see. Not just seeing cover one, cover three, or just base coverage every day. I really appreciate uh, Coach Knowles bringing that swagger to the defense. It's really going to help our offense. That was one, I heard that and I kind of went, ooh, Ooh, uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure it was not meant as a slight to the previous defensive coaching staff. But, you know, if that's what CJ Stroud's seeing in practice and it's like, oh man, this is way harder this year, that probably is a pretty good sign for what it's going to be like for opposing quarterbacks this fall as well.
1: Yeah. He also said, the quote was, it's been challenging. I think it's a good thing. Yes, I would agree. Uh, it is definitely a good thing to be facing a challenging defense. And, one that changes the picture, and he talked about how um, you you have to almost guess, basically. Like it, So it's the fact that if the defense is, is providing guesswork, quarterbacks aren't always going to guess right, and so you're going to get some wins there. He was he was talking about Devin Brown as well, said he's, he thinks he's going to be a Buckeye great, and he says that he sees it some of himself in Devin Brown. Now, Tom, I have already come out and said Devin Brown is next Joe Burrow, and that's who he reminds me of. C.J. Stroud trying to, um, I don't want to say shoehorn himself into what is going to be Devin Brown's legacy at Ohio State by trying to remind people, like, he reminds me of me. And uh, I will give him credit for at least doing it now before Devin Brown wins two Heismans, and then he can be like, that Devin Brown reminds me of me. And He reminds like, well, me
2: of Ron Paulus.
1: <laughs> so. Um but like every time you hear from Devin Brown or talk to Devin Brown, like he he's impressive and uh he's he's in no hurry, not that he, he you know, you can't be in a hurry. Uh even Kyle McCord last year, like he I think got to that Akron game in in the right time, like right in time with where he was, where he needed to be in order to start that game. And they've got this path these quarterbacks now, and Kyle McCord mentioned it basically like it's not a marathon, or it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. Like, he wasn't looking to leave after last year, dealing with everything, wasn't looking to leave this year because he's gonna be the backup again. They've got it's not an assembly line, but you can see the path where CJ Stroud comes in, starts as a redshirt freshman, starts as a redshirt sophomore can decide to leave, will likely leave with his two years of starting. Then you've got Kyle McCord who can, will likely start as a redshirt sophomore Can decide to leave or can come back. And if you, if you leave, you, you can be like a Dwayne Haskins and be the 15th pick or whatever. If you come back, you can work yourself into the first pick and then say, he say, Kyle McCord starts for two years. Then you've got Devin Brown who comes in as the redshirt sophomore with that same path where I can have a great season and go pro, or I can stay for two years of starting and increase my draft stock even more. And then it's the more that happens and quarterbacks see like, I may be here, I may not start until my third year. I'm just going to have to, that's, that's, that's how it goes. And so I think, or I think that provides a, um, a level of expectation, a proper level of expectation, rather than being a guy who, uh, like Quinn Ewers. I'm going to skip my senior year, and if I don't get a play, I'm going to leave. That's, you know, there, there needs to be some realism, and right now, the way the Buckeyes are, are staggering, or the, the quarterback situation, I think you're going to see some of that realism, even though the results are pretty unrealistic, considering that this isn't normal.
0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well,
2: you know, you said it's not uh, an assembly line. Let's go back to your baking analogy from earlier, Tony. This is one of the cookie dough. You know, the quarterback position at Ohio State is kind of like one of those cookie doughs. I think it's like sugar cookies, the Christmas cookie, sugar cookies, where, it, you know, it helps if you chill the dough overnight. So it's like, okay, you got to get all the ingredients in your bowl your first year, okay? get everything together, then, then you can, you know, take one year and sit and let, the, let everything sort of set and get, you know, get a little bit more, get a little bit more up to speed and probably, you're probably taking more snaps, you're probably, you know, getting more, you know, garbage time snaps, you're probably, you know, you're, hey, you're the next man up, and then that third year, like, ta-da, in the oven, done, delicious, uh, then they frost them. I guess that would be the uh, combine. It was when they get frosted or the sprinkles or whatever. And then, ta-da, you get eaten at the draft. That's, I mean, that, I think, uh, does Roger Goodell eat the players? I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. The, the analogy may have gone a little off off track there. It's all right. But yeah, I mean, the, the expectation is, I think, the key piece of that. If you can, you know, if you can sell, this is the culture of the room. You're going to come in. You're going to, you know, probably sit a year, be, be the third string guy your first year. And then you can, you know, and then you're going to be, be, be the second string guy, or maybe you're the second string guy the first year, whatever it is. Uh, and then, you know, you're going to have a year or two. You're going to learn. You're going to learn the system. You're going to learn from the guys ahead of you. And then when they are, you know, when they're Heisman finalists and off to the NFL, then and then it's, you know, then it's the next guy's turn. There are going to be guys who buy into that and there are guys who don't buy into that. And, you know, that's another thing where you know honesty in recruiting is going to be a huge part of keeping those guys around and you know if they're coming in with the expectation that this is how this is going to go then it's not a huge shock when you know i'm sure everyone comes in going well you know but i mean i'm so great i probably could win the starting job like that's just sort of the mentality of everyone at this level of performance right but you know if that's just sort of a small part in the back of your mind and you're ex- you know you're being told here's what's going to happen here's what the plan is for you. And you kind of sign off on that plan by committing and, and signing with, with the team. Then I think that sets you up to maybe stop the turnstile of, uh, you know, quarterbacks uh, constantly hitting the transfer portal. Cause Kyle McCord was, you know, he he was asked about it like three different times during the interviews on Wednesday. Like, well, well, everyone was talking about you transferred. Why didn't you transfer? And he said, you know, it is, you have to kind of take the long view here. You have to sort of understand, like, just because I didn't start my freshman year, I'm not going to you know, hit the transfer portal because I believe in Ryan Day, I believe in Corey Dennis, talking about Todd Fitch. You know, you've know you got all these guys working for you. You've got this incredible stable of wide receivers. You know If, you, if you're going to get developed and Ryan Day is you know, starting to build that track record of like, look, all these guys are first round picks. If you're a quarterback for me, you're going to be a first round pick. You're going to stick around. You're going to put in the time if you find the guys who are willing to do that that becomes much more of a sustainable model moving forward because you know, that, that quarterback position is tricky right now and, and balancing the numbers and all that kind of stuff. That may be, if you can find guys who are willing to do it, that maybe kind of solves that problem.
1: Yeah, Kyle McCord saw more value in being developed by Ryan Day and then starting rather than just going somewhere else and starting as a redshirt freshman and hopefully being developed over the course of the next two or three years. And I, I think that's part of the, the process of landing more guys and keeping them longer when they see the value of what, what was what is going to be now three straight first-round draft picks at quarterback. Now, the last thing I want to mention kind of goes along with what you're talking about with uh, C.J. Stroud being impressed by the defense. Steel Chambers said that uh, you can see sometimes confusion on the faces, faces of the offense. And I, then like the next line was something like, which is pretty good considering we are also confused on defense by what <laughs> we're doing. Um, so just imagine how good things can get when the defense actually knows what they're doing. But he did say this defense is a breath of fresh air. It's it's fun to do something new, as something else he also said. And so he is obviously liking the defense. Said uh, last year that uh, he, he doubted himself because obviously it was new. So now he's much more confident much more confident in, which has made him faster. Looking back at last year, he said he, he cringes at it. And uh, I think, I guess they they rewatched some of the Michigan game recently, and mm-hmm. uh, that did not go well for the defense. Probably didn't go well for the offense. Either.
2: Yeah, that, you know, you get the sense that he, I think he said that they, he hadn't rewatched that game since it happened and so you know that may have been one of those kind of like burn the film things after the game last year to kind of get them focused on the rose bowl and you know get everyone get everyone mentally mentally focused on that instead of wallowing in the michigan game but you know you gotta you kind of got to look at it you got to address some of the issues he said he he, you know what they call the team up north period which they do kind of every day where they're it's just you know generally it's some kind of exercise and it's like they take the number of days uh, before the Michigan game, and we'll do, you know, whatever exercise that many times, uh, 233 on uh, Thursday this week. So just in case you're keeping count, uh, you can always find that number on the beginning of every morning scoop episode, you're welcome. Uh, sorry if you have to do 233 push-ups or something. that seems like a lot. But uh, it, you know, I, I think you get the sense that that's going to be sort of a renewed focus this year, and a little bit of a different focus where it's no longer a given this year that that they're going to beat Michigan cuz they just beat Michigan every year unless they don't play I I think that's going to be, you know, that that's probably not a big surprise that that's going to be a renewed focus this year but yeah it was that that was interesting to me that he had just like he had not gone back and watched it and and you know to to do it now is like ooh I, yeah I bet that was not you know they they talk you'll you'll hear broadcast every every once in a while talk about guys uh you know some you know a defender who quits on a quits on a play or something like that you know talking about the oh boy he's not going to look you know he's not going to like watching that in the film room on monday i don't think anyone on that ohio state team is going to like what they see uh when they go back and watch that michigan film however many times it's been that would be an interesting question how many times have you gone back and rewatched the michigan film because i i would bet there are guys on that team that have done it 20 times and guys on that team that have not done it you know unless you know unless they're like clockwork orange forced too but uh you know that would be that would be an interesting question to ask some guys you know because I I bet there I bet there's a wide variety you know a wide spectrum of of uh, answers on that one just in terms of uh, motivation and all of that.
1: I asked Steel Chambers back at the Rose Bowl something about the Michigan game and like well how do you overcome it how do you get past it and like he was just silent he's like I don't know like it just you know, the thought process of, of dealing with this thing that you never thought could happen. Uh, which is probably why it did happen, and now you've got to deal with it, and you just continue to deal with it. I really think you're going to see a Clemson type of thing where it gets ramped up, and you know even Jonathan Cooper said, um, basically like that Clemson game was really the Michigan game, the the 2020 where that was really their Michigan game, of course because Michigan declined to play in 2020, so they had to, uh, you know, play Clemson, uh, not instead, but uh, they were certainly motivated all year to, uh, to overcome, to, uh, avenge that 2019 loss. Not, not a revenge tour per se. But, uh, Tom, anything else before we go?
2: I think we're good. We have, uh, we're just over a week to go to the, till the spring game. That doesn't seem possible that we're already almost through spring ball. But, uh, we, we have, we were talking like right on the, at the insiders board about, you know, editorial plans for next week because we, uh, we're extremely good at planning and, uh, doing so in a typical, you know, a typical manner. So, well, I'm sure we'll have plenty of uh plenty of fun shows. Tony, I saw you throw out a bold prediction the idea of a bold prediction show. I don't know, Tony. Do you think the listeners want another bold prediction show?
1: I don't care if they do. I do. <laughs> it's been a while yeah. since we have uh bickered and bartered and uh, all of that good stuff and uh I'm sure a couple people want want it. I'm sure others are like please not for a spring game. <laughs>
2: Yeah, this the spring game bold predictions are going to be real tricky because it's like everything is ridiculous and nothing is ridiculous because the game itself is so ridiculous. So it's like I don't even I don't even know what to uh, you know what what to yell at you about that you're being unrealistic about something. Like,
1: like Travion Henderson, forty yards rushing.
2: I, that was exactly what I was going to say. Like you could, yeah, you could say like you're know, running running back and have twenty five yards, and it's like ooh, that sounds like nothing. Also, that sounds pretty high. So yeah, we'll we'll. Uh, <laughs> we'll see yeah J- J- jack sawyer 17 sacks who says no like mm, maybe i don't know well, i don't know because
1: five in bold i mean like that's basically <laughs> right. what he, he just, did last he just
2: year did that last year right yeah four or five yeah yeah
1: so um we'll figure it out obviously uh, we won't figure it out ahead of time we will have our bold predictions and then we'll figure out if they're bold enough during the show uh so i look forward to that i'm sure some others do tom i know will not but uh, that will do it then for this episode. I want to thank you all for tuning in as always. And like I said, if you want to find out more about Malik Hartford, go ahead and check out Gives in the Bank. They break it all down. Uh, Kevin was there at the commitment. You can find that. Uh, you can watch the um, the stream there at uh, YouTube dot com slash Buckeye Scoop if you want to watch these these commitment videos where the kid is doing it, like broadcasting it to uh, some some entity that has to take commercials and. All of this other stuff. So it's a lot of stop and go, but still, by all means, go ahead and watch it. And Malik uh, Carford, and actually, Kevin's got a one on one with him as well. So check that out at Buckeye Scoop. That would be easier for you and sooner, quicker rather. Tom, so that's going to do it for this show.
2: Please wrap it up.
1: I'm, I'm, I've been <laughs> trying to wrap it up for uh, literally two minutes now. So thank you all for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week.